Hey all, welcome to Dungeons and Tangents. I'm Eric, and this episode Robert and I are talking about rolling for initiative. As players of D&D, we don't often question how initiative works or ask how it could be different, but in this episode we're going to do exactly that. Why do we use initiative, and what alternatives are there? Is there a better way to run initiative? Now that you know what you're getting into, on with the show. This is Eric. This is Robert. And today we're talking about initiative. Seems like a simple topic. You were convinced that we couldn't make a topic out of it. I was. Uh, and so we started talking about it. And then like an hour later, we thought that maybe we could talk about it. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to break this down into a number of different questions. We'll start with the first question, which is why initiative? Why initiative in the way that D&D runs it, rather than just round robin. Mm-hmm. Every other game we play, like Monopoly or poker or anything like that, you just go around clockwise in a circle or counterclockwise. Even chess. And chess. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I think chess is an excellent example of why we don't do that. Because in chess, you have really? actual documented opening moves. Because you know one person well, will go first, one person right. will go second. That's true. And having that established order takes some of the spontaneity out of it, right? Now, you could do that with Dungeons and Dragons, but I feel like you would lose something. If you, the more you're able to kind of script out what you're going to do, the less engaged you are, and the less you're going to feel like you're part of an experience. Right. So if if you had round robin. Uh, and everybody knew where they were going to go. You have your your stereotypical like cleric, uh, ranger, barbarian, thief group. Right. People would inherently pick a very specific set of a very very specific order. You would develop a sequence of actions that you could depend upon, and what, at that point you would distill it down to the most efficient, right. effective set of actions possible. Just like chess. Exactly. Just like, yeah, I mean, I have one opening move in chess, and I always do it. I, got, I don't know what it's called, but I always do it because I know how to proceed from there. Yeah, so, so D&D would probably become more rote. Right, so we've talked before that D&D, the mechanic, is math. Now, I'm not saying that D&D is math, but the core mechanic that we use to facilitate D&D is essentially math. Yeah. And the best thing that you can do with D&D is make it feel like not math. <laughs> right. And so the way we do that is with more math. Or randomality. Yeah. So I think that the D&D, the, the initiative part of D&D helps just kind of throw a wrench into the works to make sure that you can't just depend on certain things the way you would normally would. Just The more you can pre-game something, the less it feels real it feels, the less engaged you feel, the less the less it feels like there are actual stakes involved. People would start sitting at the table in very specific ways. Like, oh, I'm the barbarian. I need to sit directly to the left of the DM. Yes. And, oh, I'm the cleric. I need to sit to the right of the DM. Like, uh, it would just, I don't know. It, it well, it, and that, that begs the question, would it make it less fun? I think so. I, I think so as well. I, I think that we take initiative for granted because we've always used it. And if you just took it out 
and just and you just went left to right mm-hmm. um, for three sessions, and then you're like, man, this is great. It's, it's super efficient. We just get this done and all that. And then you put it back in, you would feel more exciting to have initiative in there because at the beginning of combat there'd be this element of surprise to everybody and instead of thinking okay well you're going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this and then I'm going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this and I'm going to do this you're going to be thinking oh shit what do I do right now (laughs) that's true if you start looking past what you're doing at the moment you start to lose sight of I mean the whole point of of D&D is you know, we work tech jobs. We want something that feels like exciting or adventure, right? <laughs> and anything that was going to take that feeling out of it should be avoided, I think. And anything that's going to help you experience that feeling should be, you know, looked upon as something that you want to have in your game. So if you can anticipate what's going to happen, that's going to lower your enjoyment in that game. So, yeah. I mean, there, there are certain things that it's okay to anticipate, but uh, so, but I, I think the next question is pertinent and fits here, which is, what are the problems that we're solving with initiative? And I, I argued that initiative is actually solving the problem of um, trying to make the game feel more real, because sure, you're... Um, maybe your barbarian is the slowest of your team and your thief is your fastest so you could just do initiative as whoever's got the highest dex modifier always goes first and just do it that way and no one ever rolls you just you know your order because of that but that's that doesn't take into account the randomality that happens in life it assumes an even baseline across all characters. Right. From which you go, you build off of using your ability modifiers. Which oversimplifies the world to a point where it's just, you, you can you can see through the paper-thin facade at that point. You're not convinced that there's any element of reality anymore. Think of an Olympic sprint where everybody is on the blocks and they're ready to run. Yeah. Right? They're all prepared. They're waiting for that moment, and all they're waiting for is to hear whatever the the, the gun go the, off, the and then they're going to run, whatever. right? Yeah. And then whoever's fastest is going to go. But they start off at an even point. Yep. Now imagine you are an adventuring party in your camping, and you have one person on watch, one person's asleep, one person has light armor, so they sleep in the armor. One person has plate mail, so they have to take it off, and then they they sleep next to it. When something happens, you roll for an encounter and something ambushes your party at night, you're not all lined up on those running blocks ready to go. One person's asleep, one person is on watch, and the fastest, most, uh, the person with the best reflex is maybe the one who's asleep. Right. Right. So rolling can kind of help, and that's an extreme example. That, That is extreme to the point where... A DM would handle that differently than just everybody roll for initiative. You handle that with, with penalties and rounds as opposed yeah. to an initiative modifier, right? Right. It, it helps illustrate the point that some some of you will have a higher dex, some of you have a lower dex, some of you have a penalty, but it doesn't mean that your circumstances at that moment are all equal. Right. The same is true if your whole crew, let's say, uh, is sitting in a bar 
and suddenly a bar fight breaks out, you, um, when you roll initiative and somebody says, oh, crap, I rolled a one on their initiative, you kind of, uh, you turn that number into narrative usually in your head. Yeah. Not everybody does, but, but some people do. I like to. You, yeah, I know you do. I don't always do it, but um, in the bar fight example, you roll a one and what? Maybe you were sitting down. You roll a 20, you're the one person who is standing up and the nearest, maybe not nearest, because maybe you have your minis all arranged, but you were the most aware. And you have, I don't know, something something about the circumstances of what you were doing at that moment put you in a place where you were more likely to be the first person to take action. Whereas the person who rolls a one is the least likely because of their circumstances. And that's what initiative, that's one of the, uh, the problems that initiative is solving. The fact that it, it, that, that reality is, is varied and trying to simplify it down to, well, you have a dex modifier of plus five. You always go first, the end that just, it, it would be boring or it would put a lot of, uh, taxation on the DM trying to fudge that back and forth by narrating all of these um, situational differences. And, and one thing also that is important to note is that there has to be an order. It'd be mm. chaos if it's just like, well, whoever talks first gets to go first. Right. right. Um, Which, when you're out of initiative, that, that can happen. Can happen, yeah. So it could be that you go. Left to right, like you said, you just go you know clockwise, counterclockwise, whichever one you want to do, or you can do initiative. I like initiative because it mixes things up, but it's still very clean, and I feel like it's very concise. You will you roll your initiative, you have your modifiers once for that encounter, and you're good to go for the next the subsequent rounds. I feel like if you, because one of the things that spurred this conversation was there's been some talk lately about having alternate methods of initiative, and I think that's a brilliant idea that could easily go astray. I feel like, and I think it really depends on your group, but you don't have to add a lot to the initiative concept before it starts to really kind of go off the rails and become more of a distraction than uh, something that facilitates your gameplay. So uh, I'll I'll try to remember what I can about this alternative method. So Mike Merles, who's one of the game designers and writers at Wizards, published something in the last month or two months that's uh, a, an alternative, far more detailed initiative system. And effectively, it goes at the beginning of each turn, or sorry, each round, uh, you choose what action you are going to take. Everybody chooses what action they're going to take at the beginning of the round and rolls a dice or a die that is specific to what that action is. So if you're, um, I think it's if you're like doing melee, you get a D4. If you're doing, or maybe it's range combat's D4, melee's D6. Anyway, it's, it's you have a better chance of being higher up the less movement intensive your action is, is going to be. Um, and you do it every single round. Mm-hmm. Which means it is far more varied, which does reflect the fact that things happen in the middle of combat. So it, it makes sense to a certain extent, but it's it's 
it's a lot more work. I, I think it, I think it's a great idea. I do. Uh, initially, it feels to me like a, like a flawed system. Really? Um, yeah. It, it, it does. Did details of it seem flawed? Or? Well, there's a couple of things. One is I feel like for a lot of groups, you're not going to get very far into it before, especially if it's a newer group, um, where you start to kind of spiral like, okay, well, what, do I, what do I do here? Well, what die is that? Well, what if I do this? Is that the same oh. die or is that? And you're, you're going to start to spend a lot of time on resolving these initiative questions and the actual yeah. combat's not lost in the background, right? That's true. If you have a, a bunch of veterans, it might be a nice way to spice things up. I think it's, a, and again, I think these ideas all depend on the group you're playing with. I think it's a very cool idea if you kind of have a, a little bit more polished and everybody's on board and everybody enjoys it. And everybody's, everybody's paying attention during the game, too. Uh, because it's something that somebody loses track or they, somebody's not paying attention. It, it will magnify that disruption as opposed to help facilitate it or smooth it over. Hmm. Because it's, it's going to be harder to remember where you were, what diet you had, what your action was, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, so I heard somebody say that it helps to roll that die you have like a set of dice that are your initiative die you roll that die and then you put it in front of you and it kind of tells you oh that's right that was my action i'm gonna i was gonna do this i can see that well also does that mean that if you do that and you roll and then somebody else does an action that's faster than yours and they do it and then the result of their action makes you feel like you want to do something else yeah i don't know are you locked into that action i don't know do you have to roll an additional die or do you get to take some points off your die if you choose a quicker action instead (laughs) that gets yeah I used to get so pissed. I would play Final Fantasy on my Nintendo, and I would go through and I would choose all of the actions for my party, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, I'd yeah. say I might choose that my, the first two party members would attack one person, and then the other two would attack somebody else. And then the first one would attack one guy, and then that guy would die. And the second one would just kind of stand there because he couldn't realize right. he needed to attack the one who was still up. Which, which version of Final Fantasy was that? Final Fantasy. First one. The first one? Yeah. Oh, holy crap. And, and I, just, I would get so aggravated. And then I'd, I'd be like, well, now I, I need to make sure that I'm only attacking the ones that have the most hit points. And then there's a, a uh, kind of a damage soak factor involved there because then I'm not dropping anybody. So right. everybody gets attacking for the full. Right. And this is definitely going, you know, kind of off topic. But, <laughs> well, but that, no, it isn't because initiative, if, if, if you're all um, have some sort of damage targeting strategy in your group, and your initiative is is mucked up by uh, what action you chose, then uh, it it is pertinent. Like, and if you feel like you're locked into your actions, that doesn't combat should be a very fluid situation. It's gonna it's gonna. F- you're going to feel a disconnect if you feel like, oh, I want to do this, but I can't. Yeah. Or I'm going to attack yeah. this thing and that thing's gone. Well, right. If I go there, then it's almost like I'm scripting a robot. I'm, I'm not trying to control a, a character in a living, breathing world, right? At the same time, though, think about this. When you, uh, in, a, in six seconds, those six seconds are all, are all happening. Of, the six seconds of a round are all happening at once. Mm-hmm. Which means at the beginning of that six seconds, we're just we'll just assume everybody is thinking about what am I going to do, 
and then you start doing it. And it's going to happen that you go to run to kill something and somebody comes up behind them, kills it, it drops, and you're like standing there with nothing to do. Well, that's that's another fundamentally flawed, flawed concept. And I understand what you're saying, and you're absolutely right. The idea that in those six seconds, I can do something in six seconds, you can do something in six seconds, right? right? But if there's five people in the party, and we all do something in six seconds, how much time has passed? Well, six seconds. That's, that it's is not 30 seconds. It's not right. the concatenation of everyone's time, right? But that's how we treat it in the standard initiative process. Right. So let's say I'm a barbarian and you're a gnome, right? Let's say you've okay. got you've got like a 25-foot right. speed and I've got a 40-foot speed, okay? okay? And I want to kill the same thing you do and we start in the same spot. But you roll initiative the same, a better initiative than I do. Uh, okay. So you get it to before I do and you kill it. But you're telling me that really <laughs> we're going in the same time, and somehow you got there faster than I did, even though I go twice as fast as you do. Yeah, that doesn't make come, any sense right? at all. So you kind of have to fudge the lines a little bit there. Mm-hmm. That it's combat, it's fluid. Maybe I was buckling my armor while I was running, and so I was distracted or something. You know? Yeah. You, you, that doesn't make sense either. But <laughs> don't think about it too hard. Uh, but I don't like the idea of being locked in my action. I should be able really? to okay. make adjustments on the fly to what I'm doing. That's fair. And even but even being able to make adjustments. I, there are times when I want to do something and somebody else does it and what I want to do doesn't work anymore. And but, I might I might move and then just stop and hold my action, right? But at the same time, the, the action of combat happens... In parallel, not in serial, and that's mm-hmm. that's what's so broken about it. I don't know if it's broken, but that is something that is flawed with the standard initiative process. Is that if we've got four people playing, player one goes, and then player two bases their actions on player one's actions, and then player three bases their actions on player one and two's well, actions. Okay, well, I think this is a very good criteria. You played some D and D on both sides of the table. Yeah, a fair bit lately. Have you ever felt that before? Felt like you, when we're playing, well, you feel like okay. I can. I feel like this is wrong. I feel like this doesn't work. I feel like it has happened. It has happened you? that I have thought my actions are dependent upon your actions. But then I thought, eh, whatever. Okay, has and, it, and that's has it ever felt like a constraint to you? Or no, like, not at okay. all. If you rolled a die for a certain action and then based on somebody else's die you couldn't take your action and you were locked into it, would you immediately feel constrained and almost claustrophobic with that, that would, system? That would, feel, that would feel weird. Yeah. Yeah. That would feel more weird than the kind of go with the flow that everybody does So then I would the say standard initiative. that one of the advantages of standard initiative over the action-based initiative is that you don't feel it. Yeah, okay. That's fair. And then the second thing that I think is important to understand is that I'm completely making all this shit up because we haven't used it. And so that's for true. Us to, to comment on something that we haven't used in practice is uh, is less than awesome. But I, I can kind of oh. project a little bit. And maybe yeah. we should try it and then maybe we all circle back. But I feel pretty confident that you would immediately feel some constraint there. And it might be something where it feels like a constraint because it's new and not used to it yet. And you just yeah. need, to, need to use it a little while before you get used to it. But it, it does feel like something that you, you would just – you would feel it if that makes sense. Yeah, You would be aware of it much more than you are aware of 
the standard initiative process. So this brings us to the last question I have. What is the best way to run initiative? And obviously we've, we've kind of meandered around oh, it. I think that's, that's, there's a very simple answer to that. Whichever way is the most fun for you and your group oh, is you how go. you should be doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously we've got some homework. Yeah, probably. We've got to go play some test D&D. out, play some D&D and test out the Mike Merle's super complex initiative system. And what I think is cool, because we, we've talked about before, like you played some Pathfinder, which is yeah, very bit. heavily based on 3.5. And yeah. I, I haven't played Pathfinder, but I played a lot of 3.5. I love 3.5. <laughs> and your first comment when we talked about it afterwards, like, man, it's complex. And then oh, my yeah. response was, yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about the Mike Merle's initiative system. So I'm isn't that great? It. It's cool. Yeah, so it's, it's a little weird that we kind of swapped <laughs> on that. Yeah, normally I'm like I just want I just want the story. And yeah, dice dice rolling and adding modifiers, that's great and all. And it's it's not just great. Having that randomality is key to keeping me as a DM on my feet and making the story go in different places and th- having different things happen. I don't think I would appreciate a no dice game. I said this before in our, our dice episode. A, Absolutely. A diceless game would be boring to me because there's nothing to facilitate the randomality of life. But normally all of the mechanical stuff that you put on top of that seems kind of arbitrary and unnecessary. Eh, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy the, the standard initiative system, but that's with the caveat of I haven't used a different one ever. So That's fair. I, I fully admit that I'm out on the best context for it. I'm, I'm willing to try it out, but I do have concerns. Hmm. But if you enjoy it, anybody using it, enjoy it. I mean, yeah. in, in any part of your game, if somebody tells you 4th edition sucks, or, or, <laughs> which I've probably told you before... You know, well, I'm full of shit. I've never played fourth edition before, so oh, you haven't. I've listened to a lot of actual oh, play, and that's it, true. It, it drives me crazy. I've got the books, and I've read through the rules, and I've read some of the modules, but I've never actually sat down with a fourth edition group and played it. The, I no, can I tell haven't. you right now, the, the the rules and the things that I've listened to immediately turned me off. <laughs> uh, the three five stuff I've listened to, the five E stuff, I, I find it very entertaining. But looking at those rules for fourth, and I, it could be that I would play it and I'd have a blast. I mean, I'm sure I have fun. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like D&D to me. But that's not what everybody else's experience is going to be. So if that's what you enjoy, that's what you should be doing. right? And every single thing that we've talked about in every one of our episodes could apply to any edition. Well, that's true. I'm fairly certain. And sometimes uh, even other games other than D&D. Get some dice, get some pencils, have some fun. Yeah. And however you want to roll for edition on that, (laughs) that's your business. It's none of ours. With that, I think... uh, I think we've covered all the questions. I think we've covered the topic pretty well. All right. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Next episode, we might be talking about armor class. If you have suggestions for future episodes, reach out to us on Twitter at dungeon underscore tangent. Or go to our website, dungeonsandtangents.net. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us.